Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I am the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. So today, here we are, episode number one. We're going to get into uh, interviewing guys who are successful, guys and gals who are successful in their W2 jobs, and also having some success in real estate investing. We're going to call it the best job series. But today, I'm super excited to be joined by Lieutenant Mike Webb, who's been a firefighter for 11 years, and Captain Ryan Kenyon, who's been a firefighter for 17 years. Uh, the main points for today, uh, I love what Mike f- phrases as a champagne, ta- champagne taste on a Miller Lite budget. Uh, it's one of the awesome things he said, and got him cracking up during the episode. Uh, second bu- bullet point, uh, focusing on uh, income. Income, focusing on income producing activities during off hours. So for these firemen, uh, sometimes that's 24 or 48 hours. Uh, as we'll learn from Ryan, he's actually worked 72 and he's off 96. So we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, third bullet point is having how having children uh, changes your mindset uh, about time versus money. And then the fourth thing we're going to talk about, and I love how Ryan lays this out, is how firefighting skills translate over into REI skills. So it it really probably doesn't really matter what position you're in, what W-2 job you're in, you're going to run into people who think they don't have the time or the money or the skill set to be able to invest in real estate. And Ryan lays out specific skills that firemen, successful firemen do uh, for their day job and how that translates over into um, being a successful real estate investor. Okay, so let's get into it. W2 Capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Honored to talk to these guys, uh, hold a special place in my heart, uh, being the fireman that they are due to my dad's service in the fire department and whatnot. So today I'm joined by Mike Webb. Mike is a, I'm going to get this wrong, he's a lieutenant in Frederick County, Maryland, right? Correct. Also Ryan Kenyon, who's a captain in Red Bluff, California. Um, so these guys are on opposite ends of the country. Uh, and their investing careers are also on opposite ends of the spectrum to where uh, Mike is a little bit more experienced or Ryan just sold his first rental property and is looking to scale up. So I think today is going to be really awesome about talking to, you know, this conversation is geared toward firemen because a lot of, and we were talking a little bit before I hit the record button about a lot of, and this happens in my job too, where a lot of folks, they hear, hey, you're investing in real estate. They're very negative. They're like, man, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Where are you finding this? You know, you know, are you, you know, in y'all's situation, are you taking the opportunity on runs to go driving for dollars? And you may be, I don't know, but I don't know if we need to get into that or not. But um, so anyway, I want to introduce these guys. I want to talk about how firemen can invest in real estate and still be successful in firemen. I think one of the things, and we'll get into this, is how y'all's schedule is different. I mean, I'm familiar with the 24 on, 48 off. Ryan, you got a little bit different schedule, so we'll talk about that a little bit. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, just a couple of quick introductions. Uh, time at the department, uh, already talked about your rank as a lieutenant, but how you got started and your current focus. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, so I've been with the department 11 years, um, started as a volunteer fireman before that. So um, it's just something I've always liked to do. Um, and the way it kind of, the, the condensed version, I guess you will, of, uh, of my story is um, my, my parents have always been entrepreneurial, own their own business 30 plus years and have been a huge influence on me. Um, so they kind of planted that seed early on. And when I graduated college, um, 
you know, throughout college, I had my own car detailing business and worked as a bartender. So during the night, I basically feed my car detailing business during the day. Uh, so I kind of always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, but once I graduated college, got a, I guess you could say a desk job and kind of always kept firefighting in the back of my mind. And I decided to apply, went ahead, ended up getting hired with a jurisdiction, kind of like the DC, Baltimore metro area, if you will, uh, and started working. And I was working much like Brian and I were just discussing a lot of overtime. Every every ounce of overtime I could get, I worked because I loved the job. And at a certain point, it's not a job to you. It's like pretty much who you are and what you do. So um, my wife and I, uh, had a son and just for the heck of it, I was like, Oh, I wonder how much a trip to Disney cost. So I did a quick little search on the internet and I'm like, Holy cow. Uh, not my exact work, but close. All right. And I was like, you know, so I took the, whatever the price was and divided it by whatever my hourly rate was at the time and figure out how many hours it was. And I was like, Holy cow. So I'm getting ready to have this son <laughs> and, you know, I want to do all these cool things, but, uh, you know, what's that a champagne taste on a Miller white budget type saying, <laughs> I was like, this is, this isn't going to work. You know, I want to spend time with the, you know, this little one we're going to have running around and I'm going to have to be working all these hours to do this cool stuff. Uh, there's gotta be another way. So I kept looking at franchises and subways and Liberty tax and all this stuff. And I kept coming back to real estate because, uh, it's just to me like the most tried and true asset class in America. Uh, think about anybody that's successful, they own some sort of real estate, even if it's not their primary business. So I really spent a lot of time just learning podcasts, audiobooks, bigger pockets was like my homepage on my computer practically. Yeah. Um, and I, I know Jay, you got started uh, with your partner, I guess, through bigger pockets. I Same did. thing happened yeah. to me. Um, I met my current business partner, Bill, um, through Bigger Pockets, and it's worked out fantastic. Yeah. And I can't say enough about Bigger Pockets. I'm I mean, almost to the point where I'm like, all right, the amount of people that I've sent Bigger Pockets away, I think I need to start getting some kickbacks. I know. Because, I but I'm going to message all, Brandon and be like, hey, yeah. come on, I need a t-shirt or something, man. In all honesty, it is the way that I can pay them back for everything. 100% agree. From that. Yeah. Yeah. I buy all the books and planners just to kind of, yeah. what, uh, what him and Josh have done has paid dividends. Yes. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I'll wrap it up so we can get to Ryan. I didn't know how brief you wanted. Um, no, that's that's and, fine. I, I was just going to ask you, I, I, I like how when you um, started having your son, because that was, you know, you started looking at, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this, it costs yeah. this amount of money. And you went through the process of dividing out how many hours or how many shifts I'm going to have to work to pay for that. And that was uh, the fundamental shift that got me into being serious about investing was when our first kid, you know, started coming along. And, um, matter of fact, the first true rental property that we bought in Pensacola, he was three weeks old. So it was, um, and now he's been to, uh, I think like 10 closings since then he's four. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. To so you're planting that seed. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully so. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, that's awesome stuff. Um, and you've taken your, um, investing one step further you've got this blog going called, uh, what is it? The investing fireman. Is that right? Correct. Yep. So, um, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but let's switch over to Ryan. Ryan, tell us your story, man. Where, where are you from? Uh, how many years you've been with the department? What's your current rank and all that good stuff. And then, and then the right. real estate, of course. Well, uh, I'm from Red Bluff, California. I've spent my whole life in Northern California. Um, my dad, uh, did 33 years for the department. We worked for the, for the state. Um, so you didn't disappoint your dad like I did mine, I guess. Actually, you know, it's, it's probably quite, it's quite the opposite. He, uh, growing up, uh, he said, you know, encouraged me to go to college cause he started when he was 17. Um, and he just said, Hey man, uh, my biggest regret was I didn't go to school and I, I wish I'd have done some other stuff. And, um, so I went that route, but I started the job seasonally just to pay for school. And I just kind of got hooked. It was, you know, the different opportunities. That's a cool thing about the state is there's so many different facets you can work in. Um, so I just, I kind of got stuck in that graduated college and decided to stay. 
And, and that's been the way it was. It was great as a single guy um, doing my thing, but then eventually met my wife and had a daughter shortly after. And that's the same. I'm kind of same boat as Mike, man. Things started setting in for me where I thought, Hey, what, how can I start maximizing my time with my family? And because, you know, for us in the summertime, uh, time is a scarcity for sure. So yeah. Um, yeah, 16 years I've been doing it. This is my 17th, uh, going into my 17th year. And like I said, yep, uh, fire captain, run a station. Uh, probably Mike can, Mike can attest it's a, it's a second family. It's a lot different than most people's W-2s. You, you have your home family and a work family. And um, yeah, it's great. So my first rental property, like you said earlier, I, I had purchased one and, and recently sold it this summer and uh, looking, to, looking to scale up. So um, try to get into some smaller multifamilies, but yeah. for me, for me, and I think we've talked before in the uh, mastermind, it's California is a really hard market to cash flow. That was one of the reasons I got rid of the property I had. So I'm I'm having to look out of state now and yeah. different markets. So yeah, I failed to mention how we we all kind of circled up. So uh, Mike, you're a member of Real Estate Investing for the W two Employee Facebook group, and then Ryan is as well. But Ryan's also a member of our W two Capitalist Mastermind group, um, and I'll won't bore y'all with the details about that. But um, not that those details are boring. That sounded weird. No. But we're here to get talk about firemen and, and investing. So I didn't want to get all salesy. So one of the things, you know, we were talking about earlier before we hit the record button is how a fireman's schedule is is different than a regular W-2, right? So usually it's 24 on, 48 off. Uh, in Ryan, your case, it's, what was it, 72 oh, on? 72, yeah. On and 96, 96 off. off. One month so, on, two months off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it's amazing to hear how you guys, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about this too. So most firemen have a second job, you know, something on the side. They've got to fill up that time. You know, that's forty-eight or ninety-six hours if they're all. So what do you guys do uh, now, um, Mike? Uh, I'll throw this question to you first. What do you do now? Because I kind of know what Ryan does just because he was in the mastermind group, but what do you do on those 48 hours off that leads you, you know, for your investing, uh, that helps you further your investing uh, portfolio? Sure. Uh, well, the goal is always income producing activities. Um, right. Doesn't always happen. Right. <laughs> um, hey everybody. I want to take a break from the action real quick and point you over to passive real estate investor Academy. It's one of our affiliate sponsors for the show. Um, Annie Dickerson, who leads up the Academy there. I've met her, I met her at a conference last year. Uh, wanted to meet her cause she is actually on, uh, one of our posts, uh, 12 sites, every financial freedom seeker should know about, uh, the things that they're doing at good ag investments. Uh, I'm just amazed by, uh, she had a very successful W2 career, but also, uh, I think it was last year, uh, 2018, she was able to pull her parachute cord and become a corporate dropout and focus on real estate investing full time. So, and by that, I mean, her and her partner are now syndicating deals through their uh, corporation, Good Egg, Good Egg Investments. And what I'm most impressed by these these ladies, what they're doing is they closed, I think it was around 3,500 doors last year. Um, and now they're teaching, they've launched this course, Passive Real Estate Investor Academy, uh, to teach people what it really means to become a passive real estate investor and working with syndicators, whether you work with them or not, helps you understand what a passive real estate investor is all about. So check them out. We have a specific link for you. You can find it at helmsrei.com slash P-R-E-I-A. All right, let's get back to it. So what I do now is kind of different than what I did when I first got started. Um, like I said, currently now I have a, a business partner, um, Bill, that I met from Bigger Pockets, And him and I run a company. It's called MDWB homebuyer.com and that's where we focus on buying rentals, picking up wholesales, uh, flips, etc. So on my days off, I my my responsibility within the company is to pretty much manage the projects. So if we're managing a flip or we're turning over a unit or whatever the case may be, I kind of oversee the contract or the scope, the budget, the materials, etc. With that being said, it's a small business, so we all kind of can pick up and share each other's responsibilities. So Bill and then uh, my assistant, is, her name is Tina. She's a godsend. Uh, we all kind of share responsibilities. And it could be anything from like yesterday, we had our 
Thursday team meeting um, because that's my new Kelly day. So our team meetings are on Thursdays to make sure I'm always off. Your new um, Kelly day? Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, like a in the fire service. Like it's just every time my ship falls on a Thursday, I have that day off. Just I gotcha. basically overtime control. Um, okay. So yesterday I, we had a team meeting and then, you know, till 930 at night, Bill and I were down at our eight unit building working on something. And, uh, you know, it was snowing like crazy. We had to go to Walmart, <laughs> buy two things, you know, fight, fight that. So, so that's kind of how my days are spent. You know, I, this morning was working on a direct mailer, uh, working, working on a mail list. And then tomorrow at 6am, I'm, I'm a lieutenant on an engine company, you know? Yeah. So it, it takes a little bit of prioritizing your activities because, um, sounds like we all have families it's real easy to let that kind of bleed over to the point where if you don't have some some set criteria pretty soon next thing you're on your computer or your phone too much and yeah you're working from home but you're not like present with your family and that's something i've yeah. had to work on so yeah <laughs> that can that's kind of how i spend my days off quote unquote. okay yeah, your days off. <laughs> right, your days off is gonna go to work and get a break. I mean, kill me. Ryan, what about you, man? What What are you doing on your ninety six hours off? Well, like you said, you you pretty much are up up to uh, par with what I got going on. But I've just yep. been spending it uh, really for me. Like I said, just kind of market research right now and digging up some of the better places for me to to start moving my money to. But um, it's it's the same thing. I'm I'm looking at direct mailers, contacting brokers, uh, reaching out to property managers, just trying to find some, you know, lead sources. Um, I've, I'm fortunate enough. I've got a, a good buddy that's uh, investing out of the area as well from here. So he's been, he's been a real asset for me to lean on and, and kind of a place to build a little confidence. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm kind of the same as Mike outside of not actually having the, the workload as you know, I'm kind of having to create it myself and to make those things happen. But it's definitely a balance between like, like Mike said, sometimes I go to work just to, just to take a break. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with both of you, you know, when you're on shift, you, you know, and I know um, somewhat about um, the firehouse and what happens there, how much time do y'all have available or can you contribute to um, doing some of these activities at the firehouse? Is that, and it may different from department to department. I just know you'll have some downtime, you know, if you're sitting around the firehouse waiting on, you're not checking things, you know, doing safety checks, checking plugs, all that good stuff. If you've got some downtime, how much of that can you use? And then again, it may be different from a department department, but uh, Mike, how about you? Uh, well, first, yes, there's downtime and there's days where it's hours and there's days where it's, you'd like a break long enough to use the restroom and get something right. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the important thing is you, you still, that's still your W2 job, right? And, uh, you still need to serve the people, serve, serve the people you work with and, and do your job there. So even if you do have the downtime, I, I don't think it's a wise decision yeah. regardless of your line of work to right. uh, sit there and build your real estate business on the, your employer's time. I can get a little touchy probably for the <laughs> yeah. employer. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's why I have the assistant, honestly, because yeah. once, once my business basically segued to what it's going towards, uh, I realized I couldn't do everything or do what I needed to do. And, you know, cause yeah, if you, if you get a text message or a phone call, maybe a quick email, no big deal, but right. You can't yeah. be sitting there stuffing envelopes and, you know, yeah. dialing for dollars <laughs> or whatever, you know, while you're at work, that, that's not smart. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, you, you can obviously shoot an email, a text, whatever to, you know, Bill or my assistant, whatever. But, uh, I try and be pretty cognizant of, Hey, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm, when I'm off, off the County's clock, you know, I, that's, that's, that's Mike's time to you, do real estate. And I mean, try not to meld the two. Yeah. I, you know, the, the stigma or the stereotype is, well, if you're not fighting a fire, then you're sitting around the firehouse, just all we did play cards, whatever, you know, eating whatever the rookie cooked for lunch and then just playing cards. So, yeah, yep, that's actually it. Watching yeah. soap operas. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. What's, what's <laughs> your favorite soap job. opera? <laughs> there, there's so much to do. Um, and yeah, the, the fire, fire call volume is maybe different than it was back in the day, so to speak. But 
there's plenty to do. And I'm sure Ryan's a captain, so he's a notch above me in administrative help. Uh, you want you run one call, you know, you have the report, whether it's to shut off a fire alarm system or an actual house fire, you still have to do a report. So there's administrative tasks. There's always some sort of ongoing training. Um, there's just the regular tasks that need done to manage a, a firehouse. So you may not be actively responding to emergencies, but there's always stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other thing, you know, talking about, um, prioritizing your activities when you're not at the firehouse. Um, how do you guys go about doing that? Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. How do you go about prioritizing your activities? I think it's great that you have a buddy who's helping you along, which by the way, how did you find, how did you find that buddy to? What's crazy is I I grew up with him and, uh, he, he chose that path of real estate. We graduated high school and he literally, set foot went after it and he's got uh man i think 360 units uh wow. throughout yeah. like you know most of the western western half of the states so um i just you know finally when i decided to get serious i hit him up and we try to get together once a week and have lunch and talk about you know strategy and things that are you know i'm thinking about he helps correct me a little bit on on some stuff when i get e- over eager yeah but, uh, <laughs> but you know i you know i think with two kids and, and you guys can probably test is that you know, the challenge is carving out on your days off, carving that time out. So I, I do, I try to get up early in the morning as much as I hate it, but uh, yeah. I try to beat everybody up so I can get some stuff done and then get organized. Yeah. For, for me, if, if I don't get up at uh, before five uh, during the week, I, I don't get anything done. I mean, yeah. it's just, this is the way I've figured it out. So you've got to have those blocks of time, but you were talking about um, having a buddy, you know, and reaching mm-hmm. out to somebody who, you know, and we were talking about this on the, the uh, W2 Capitalist Mastermind Facebook group this morning about uh, one of the members posted a question about I'm having trouble explaining my vision to the to my network, right? To my people, to the people around me because they're, they don't have the right mindset. And the answer to that, uh, her question is, what do I do? Um, my answer to that question is pretty simple, is you stop hanging around those people. Um, you know, and you don't go tell them, hey, buzz off you know there's ways of you know not answering the phone call as much or not initiating to go have drinks with them because they're not going to be the same so you know i think it's extremely important to to have those folks in your life like your buddy uh and being part of a mastermind group whether it's mine or another one of like-minded investors mike i know you have uh we talked a little bit about some meetup that you've created um so talk about that a little bit and how that's helped not only you but the other folks that are coming in uh, from a mindset perspective? Sure. Uh, I think that's mindset as a whole is just, I feel like that's something you constantly have to uh, sharpen, if you will, because I've been by no means do I consider myself an expert or seasoned even, um, but I've been doing it a couple years. (laughs) I've been doing this a couple years at this point, you know, and it's like, I still feel like that sometimes you still have maybe a little bit of doubt, you know, but you know, you just have to remind yourself like, Hey, I believe in this and I know this is right. And, uh, it's worth the risk. So there, but sometimes you still have to remind yourself of that. So mindset, I don't think is one of those things you ever cross the finish line. That's something you're always working on. Um, Yeah. Um, and you definitely need to challenge yourself. Always. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, if you find yourself in one of those doubtful situations and you lean on, on. yeah. And, and you lean on somebody who doesn't share that same passion or mindset with you, they're just going to drag you down even more. Right. But if you're around those people who share it with you and you, you know, you, Hey, I'm in a slump. I'm not really understanding this. Yeah. They're going to lift you up. They're going to put you back on course. So having those folks, having that support group around you is, is vitally important in my opinion. Yeah. You know, they say that that old adage, you're the sum of the five people you associate with the most. And like Ryan said earlier, your your second family is pretty much the guys at the firehouse or, or ladies at the firehouse too. You know, it's yeah. So if if you're with a bunch of people that want to just complain about everything, chances are you're gonna assimilate to your environment and do the same. Yep. So um, you know, yes, we started a, a meetup and that was um I guess you could say self-serving to some degree, but you know, it's, we don't charge for it. It's free. We don't sell you boot camps or anything of the sort. It's legitimately free. If you want to come there and just throw 
wadded up newspaper at us, you can. If you want to come there and just take notes and it, you can, it, you know, it's like there, there's nothing in it. But for us, it was the, the self-serving part was to build a network um, and to build a network that would ultimately help our business and we could help their business. And it, it's worked out great. But um, some of the best discussions are before or after the meeting in the bar, you know, just sitting there talking to people that are like minded. And whenever you sit, when I leave there, man, I'm always just super juiced up. Like, even though it's maybe nothing new or nothing like earth shattering, but you get around those people that share the same vision that aren't willing to take no for an answer and want more, something more out of life besides punching a clock, uh, getting a six pack on Friday and dying. And like, that's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, that's just not what I want. Um, right. Yeah. So it's cool to get around those people and creating that environment locally was a way that we could do it without waiting for, you know, a quarterly mastermind meeting. Yes. I gotcha. Ron, you got anything to add to that? You know, what's crazy is I think, and Mike can probably test too, is the fire service tends to draw a lot of type A, maybe, maybe a little type A, B mix. A lot of alpha males, alpha males. So, <laughs> and, and it's, it's funny because when you start talking about investing at work, um, there, there's a lot of limiting beliefs these guys have, you know, and, and as far as, and it, what I'm what I'm getting at is what I find funny is I don't really see a, a job any better suited for real estate investing than the than a guy that's a fireman just because there's so many tools almost for every limiting belief a guy has I can point to something he's already doing proving himself wrong opposite right. you know and it's like you know these guys are you have the ample time off there's no better schedule really in my yeah. opinion in the in, yeah. the in the W two workforce than a fireman um, the, they're natural problem solvers. They're, most of us are handymen at some at some level. Right. Um, if you're any kind of a station manager, you know, the paperwork, <laughs> budgeting, it's like there's so much stuff that starts stacking up, working good under pressure. I, I just look at like going, man, it's, you know, these guys will have every excuse in the world. And, and granted, I don't, I don't have a hundred units, but it's, that's something that was obvious to me really early. And um, it's, it's just wild. I, 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 more guys, if you're out there and you're listening and you're a fireman, just, just step back and, and challenge those beliefs and, you know, yeah, I, I bet you're wrong on all of them. hundred percent. Well, yeah. And the other thing too, and, and I wonder, I guess this is just a question for, for Mike and maybe his group, but, um, well, no, this is really a question for both of you. So as men, we are more traditionally stubborn than women, right? So I wonder if the women fire firefighters are more open to investing than, than the men for the, for excuse, for the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, because, um, I don't know, just an interesting question. Maybe, maybe, maybe not worth anything, but, um, the, <laughs> some, sometimes the, the ladies can be worse than the guys. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> but as far as stubborn goes, I think my wife's not in the fire service. She, she can probably, she takes the cake on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Look, don't say anything is going to get you in trouble. Okay. Yeah, right, right. But, so, so we're getting into kind of what, you know, what happens around the firehouse a little bit. Sure. So we talked about earlier, we talked about, uh, Mike, some of the guys giving you a hard time, maybe giving you some nicknames that you don't really appreciate, or it's just funny because it's firehouse chatter. Right. So what are some of the things that, that you've been able to do, to either quiet that noise or convince those guys, Hey, I really know what I'm doing. And I'm, and you should probably look at this too. What are some of those things that you've, you've figured out to kind of resonate with them that if anybody, any fireman listening to this man or woman, you know, would, would can grab onto sure. this a little further. So yeah, there, there's few circles. I think that are probably as uh, abrasive is uh, a group <laughs> of firemen, but, uh, when I first started, I, I kind of kept it pretty close to the best and um, didn't really say much about it. I guess maybe it was just because what if this doesn't work out? You don't want too many people to know you screwed up. Um, or I, I wasn't actively thinking that. Maybe I, in my subconscious I was, but I just kind of kept it close to me. But then eventually, you know, people hear this or hear that. And pretty soon, you know, they're, you know, joking with you or everybody wants to know if you just flip them houses cause that's every show they see. Hmm. And, you know, for lack of a better, I'm just like, yep, sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I would sit there and I'd have these conversations with people and after some of the joking would subside, some of them showed a little bit of interest, you know, like, well, what do you do? And, you know, then the interest starts to peak. 
And what, I, what do you think it is that caused them to, to finally break through that barrier of, of not making fun of you now, but now, or not picking at you, but now yeah. saying, okay, you know, what, what do you think that was? I, I wish I knew. I don't know. Um, and like I said about the mindset for some, for me, even, um, you know, I was on a phone call with a guy last, last year and he said something and I don't remember anything about the hour long conversation other than the one thing he said is you keep identifying yourself as a fireman, not a real estate investor. He said, you need to identify as a real estate investor mm -hmm. first and then a fireman second. And that's hard because, uh, like I said, this isn't just a job for most of us. Like this is literally a calling, whatever you want to call yeah. it. it. This is this like literally shapes who you are, what you do on your days off, who you hang out with, the way you dress, speak. It's like a gang almost. Um, but it is a very tight brotherhood. It, right? it is, and that, that that term gets tossed around a lot. But um, the the point is, like I always kind of viewed myself as just a fireman, and I think that's how you know my coworkers view themselves. They, they, the real estate investing, that's for rich guys from New York city. You can't do that. Um, like you said, a limiting belief. And like you said, these guys have the skill set. Most of them can build a space shuttle out of a pack of bubble gum and a toothpick. <laughs> and like, they know about building construction. They know about all this stuff. It's just uh, for whatever reason, they don't think, Hey man, I'm just a fireman. I can't do that. And yeah. uh, that so that now that now I joke and just say that like in some of my blog posts I'm like hey man I, I'm not an expert I'm not a I'm just a fireman <laughs> you know kind of it's just like a, a a poke back at it but it I don't know what the shift is or why people show interest uh, maybe they're just you know trying to be nice but um that 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 was kind of the genesis of this blog or you know sharing my story, so to speak, was because people would just keep asking me this and not that I'd mind telling the story at all, but I just wanted to like show these guys uh, and anybody in public safety, like on a civil servant salary, whether you're a fireman or a police officer, or I don't care if you're the guy that runs the street sweeper, like you're capable of doing this, even if you don't make $600,000 a year, like you yeah. can do this with stacking a little over time, getting a little knowledge and taking some action. Uh, yeah. You just have to make that shift in your head that you're, you're able to do that. And Ryan, I love the way you put it earlier is that most, when you think about it, most firemen have the skill set to do exactly uh, real estate investing. They, you know, uh, most yeah. of us are handy, which I saw Mike shake his head when you said that. <laughs> I, just for the record, I don't do any of the own, any of my own work. I got, I got to do it. Hey, I, had a, I had a property manager for one, for one rental. So yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, no, you're smart. You're smart. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I think, you know, the way that you laid that out, I, I think is, is hopefully it connects with some guys that say, look, you know, and, yeah. and you have those skills right now. The only thing that and that right now, the only thing that you do have also is that limiting belief, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing to me. It, it, it not only just firemen, but for other folks who think, and I'm sure I was the same way right now. Yeah. If that was the case, I've packed that memory way down deep and I've, I've forgotten all about it by now, but you know, it's just getting that first deal done is the most, to me, one of the most important things an investor can do. Now, you don't want to rush out there and buy the first thing that pops up on the market and lose a bunch of money on or lose any money on. That's not what I'm saying. The, the, the point is don't fall into analysis paralysis, uh, which is a phrase a lot of folks you know use. Uh, and, and quite frankly, a lot of people that I see now are using that as an excuse. Well, I'm, I've got analysis paralysis. No, you're just being lazy and not taking action. You know, so think about that first deal. And I know Ryan, it's easier for you to think about your first deal uh, and kind of how you got past not doing anything to your first deal. Let's talk about that for a minute. And then Mike, we'll, we'll come over to you too, if you can remember that that far back. So Ryan, so talk about your first deal. What did it look like? Um, I, I think as your first deal, you're supposed to go out and buy a, a 200 unit apartment complex. Isn't that the rule? Yeah. Supposed to do for sure. Okay. Hey, I'm just. I, I wish. <laughs> no, my. So you're talking about my first one, the the house I own. Yeah. The rental. Yeah. Okay. Your yeah. So rental. actually, that was kind of out of a uh, necessity. I I it was an ugly ride. It wasn't. It's nothing to write home about. Um, I I purchased that house back in '04, so way just before everything started peaking, and I was still going to school. It was kind of a 
a way I thought, hey, when this thing appreciates, I'll I'll pay off my eight grand in student loan, whatever. And uh, I watched houses around me, same floor plans. They were selling for 60, 70,000 more than I purchased for and probably should have sold. But I, I said, no, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to this thing. This is great. Um, so I rode that market out. It, it, it obviously went high. It went really low. And I, I lived there for the first uh, three years that I owned it, fixed it up. It was an older home. I bought it off the original owners. And um, I decided that I was, I was done living there. So instead of selling for a loss or short selling or any of that stuff, I just said, you know what, I'm going to rent it. My payments were good. Um, I could clear, I could clear a profit every month on it with paying property management. So that's what I went for. Um, and it was actually a nice little rental. Just the lady that had lived there for, shoot, I want to say she was in there for six years or so. Decided she had hit me up about purchasing it, and the offer was right, and I was ready to move on from that house. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I yeah. there. And I and I, I forgot, I failed to mention, I did a guy from work, another one of my a buddy I worked with. We actually flipped the house uh, in the middle of that whole thing. So and that worked out pretty well for us too. I just Unlike Mike, I kind of I didn't really fall in love with the flipping process. You know that, yeah. that quick turnaround and the, the time. Just to be but, clear, I don't I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just be clear, I don't love it. So uh. yeah, no, it's true. So yeah, I mean, and that was the thing. But I, you know, I've always had that itch. I've I've loved real estate, and um, and like I said, talking to my talking to my buddy growing up, and and he just he said, man, you need to get in the game and and start looking at some buy and holds. So that here we are back yeah. in back in it. So. Yeah, and the um, gentleman I interviewed earlier today talked, uh, gave the uh, analogy of a flywheel, and how that flywheel is going to take a little bit of momentum to get yeah. going, and then once you get that thing spinning, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to spin it again. You know, and yeah. I, I thought it was a great analogy to I, how you can grow your portfolio. So, and I think real quick too, Jay, like for me, what what owning that first property, what what killed a lot of the fear, I think that smokes most people is I realized over that. 10, 11 year stretch was that, yeah, things popped up and, and repairs and maintenance popped up. And I mean, I had, a, I had an in-ground pool in there and, and, the, and it was a line, it was a vinyl liner of all things. So, you know, I got hit with expenses like that. But the thing yeah. was, is that I, you can overcome everything. It's not, it's not like the thing's going to sink into a hole, which might've been better for insurance purposes. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> but you know, like you talk to everybody and they just think everything's going to go wrong at once and you're going to lose yeah. all this money. And, um, just going through that process and, and kind of getting my feet wet and really learning like, Hey man, this isn't, even if this goes bad, I'm having the W2 job, man. is like, it's a godsend because I go, Hey, if, even if this thing goes totally messy on me, I, I've got something to help yeah. nurse it along. So, yeah. Well, and the idea is not for it to nurse along, right? You, right. You know, analyze those properties. You meet, you, we talked a little bit earlier, I think before we hit the record button about investing criteria, making sure that, you know, when you look at a property, they hit all your investing criteria and I'm thrown off by my hair right now. Cause I don't know what in the heck's going on, but we're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> um, so the, the other thing is, um, you know, when you talk about those expenses that come up, you know, one of the things that I preach and I live by is every month when that rent check comes in, you're taking a portion of that rent. Usually it's around 20, for me, it's around 20, 25%. And it's going into a sacred account that I don't touch, right? Until those expenses come up. Um, for example, last year, uh, we replaced two air conditioners uh, at, in, the, in a couple of our units. Um, total price was about seven grand. And that money came out of those reserved accounts. So not having that, I would have probably put that on a credit card or, you know, tried to figure out where that came up, but we had that money sitting aside for when those, when that vinyl liner cracks and then needs to be replaced or the HVAC goes out or whatnot. So there's all these different things. So, and as long as you plan properly, you'll, you'll not, and you buy it properly, uh, it should make you money. Right. And the other, yep. the other limiting belief I hear is people saying, well, I don't want to answer the phone at 2 AM to hear a toilet's clogged. I've never had that happen before. And the reason I haven't heard that happen before is because I have a property manager for every property we have. I spend maybe a week, an hour a week talking to my property managers about something that's going on. Sometimes it goes weeks without me even talking to them because I just, it's hands off. We've got a very good understanding of if something comes up, I don't need to improve. I don't need to approve $150 plumbing expense. Just, 
if there's water leaking and you need yeah. to do something, just do it. You know, I don't need to do that. So, um, you, you know, it, it's having those property managers is key, especially when you have a W2 like you guys, if you're, you know, uh, I'm assuming you don't self-manage, um, uh, Mike, but it may be somebody on your team does, but you know, for those guys who don't have a team and they're at the firehouse for 24 or the next 72 hours and you get that call, that you can't take because you're fighting fires or rescuing somebody, you know, it's, it's really important to have that property management in place. So Mike, what, what do you guys do for property management? Uh, you could say it's a hybrid model. Um, yeah. I, I self manage a couple. I have a property manager for some of the ones in my portfolio and then the ones in my joint company, uh, we, we manage ourselves with our system. So um, my, my long-term plan is to transition that over to management, but right now that's pretty much how it gets done. Yeah. But y'all have, you have a team in place to where if something does come up, then it is a quick phone call to whatever yeah. tradesman you need to yeah. go over. Back to building that network. It's, you know, you find yourself a really good HVAC guy, find yourself the, the quest for the Holy Grail is find that good handyman. Yeah. You know? That, that's always something you're always working for. And when, whenever you find a good one, take care of them. Yeah. Um, and then you just having that good team that you can trust. And like you said, if it's 150 bucks, don't call me. Like uh, as Ryan can vouch, like we're, we're in a very SOP or standard operating procedure guideline type uh, business. And one thing we've done is we've just said like, Hey, if this happens, this is what you do. If this happens, this is what you do. And it takes a lot of the emotion and guesswork out of it. So my property manager, uh, they can spend like 300 bucks before they have to call me and we have to talk about it up until that point, do what needs done. Yeah. Take care of the tenant, right? Correct. Take care of the guy that's paying the bills. Exactly. (laughs) Um, one of the other things I wanted to make sure we, we, we talk about today is, and we've touched on a little bit earlier about what goes on in the firehouse and, you know, some of the things that the guys and even me, I've had um, friends and family members call me slum ward or uh, jokingly call me the real estate expert, you know, or the real estate mogul or whatnot. So and I know in the firehouse, you've got to have tough skin, right? So what are the, some of the things that have happened with your guys? And I, and I know both of you are in management positions, and I'm calling management rank positions. Right. Um, so maybe some of that doesn't come up your way, but what, what are some of the things you hear in the background or hear in the chatter uh, about your, your respective side hustles? Uh, I mean, of course, like, like I said, you know, some of the guys affectionately joke, call me slumlord. Um, you know, they, they've never seen my properties. And then one of the things I always like to throw out there is one of the criteria I have is, I have to be able to drive by one of our properties, say with Jay in the car and be like, yeah, I own that one and not be like, you know, <laughs> like hide my face. So I feel like, I, you know, yes. Yeah, so are there bad landlords out there? 110%. We respond to their residents on a daily basis. Um, but there, there's also good people out there that provide affordable, quality, safe homes to people that work hard. Uh, at their W-2 job or whatever the case may be. And that's the type of landlord I want to be. So yeah, uh, like I said earlier, if it's something you believe in, you're willing to take that risk. It, it's something I believe in. So at first it used to bug me. Now uh, it doesn't bug me at all. Yeah. So that doesn't stop the ribbing by any no. means. But, well, it, uh, it won't, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and that that's fine. Um, so I, I have thick skin. I've been in the department long enough that I'm used to it. So it, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I just joke about it and laugh along with them. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Like that's your choice. Like, and uh, that doesn't make it wrong. It just means we have different paths and uh, I'm looking to do something maybe different in a different way than somebody else. No yeah. Way. Cause you mentioned earlier in 20 years, you'll be able to reti- not in 20 years, total service, you'll be able to retire, which will right. leave you at, I think you said in your mid forties. Right. And then, then what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. And, and so when, and, and I'll give you this. So, uh, when my dad retired, he was, uh, I think in his sixties, early sixties. Yeah. 
And he'll tell you to this day, it was the worst decision he ever made because he missed the brotherhood. He missed, you know, being around the guys. It was just, he has, you know, in his opinion, the best job in the world. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he, uh, he struggled with that uh, a couple, couple months out of, or a couple years out of retirement. But I don't, I don't know if there is a answer for that other than, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's going to, it's going to be different. And that seems like so far away. But I think yeah. about my son's getting ready to turn seven. And I remember when I started this adventure, it was, he was still in my wife's belly. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, time goes a little bit faster than we think of, you know, think sometimes. So yeah, it's, that's nine years away, eight years, whatever. Um, so it, it seems like it's really far off, but it, it's really not. And planning for that now is important. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, the next nine years holds. Um, I don't know what, what that's going to look like, but I'd, I would at least to like, I'd like to have options. And, and if I, I don't know how your father retired, but I want to retire healthy. You know, I don't want, I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to be injured. You know, if I can yep. hit that 20 year mark and I can retire healthy and I can retire and go do something else. Uh, I don't plan on just hanging everything up and driving around in a Buick. <laughs> like my, 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 my plan is to retire. Sorry for all the people driving Buicks out there. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Buick drivers. Yeah. Right. I, I think you gave us a, uh, uh, some insight on what you want to really do, and that's on a Liberty Tax store so you can be out on the roadside. Yeah, basically. flipping that sign dressed up. That's what, like, it is. That's what you want to do, yeah. Hey, <laughs> never know. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of, kind of how, it, how it works in the firehouse. Yeah. So um, – is there is there any reason why anybody in any rank of the firehouse couldn't start investing in real estate? No, that's what's so cool about real estate. Like you could you you could find where you fit in, find what your skill set is, and maybe you are really handy. Maybe you're a plumber by trade, or an electrician, or a land. Everybody's got a landscape company in the fire service. Start be maybe you could start taking care of properties and learn the business that way, and then transition into buying one or getting a partner or whatever, be a realtor, loan money. I know a guy in our department, not with me, but he loans money to an investor and he just gets a 12% return every quarter. And so in essence, he's investing in real estate, but he's not doing the, he's not in the fray, if you will, with it. So there's no reason. um, uh, And again, that's, that was the whole reason for the blog was just like, Hey, this is possible whether you're a rookie, a battalion chief, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, you, you, that you can find a way to do it. It just has to become a priority for you. Yeah. Ryan, I see you shaking your head. Yes, you, you agreed. <laughs> totally, 100%. We got, I have kids. Uh, I mean, we, we have a seasonal workforce, and I, got, I had an 18-year-old kid this year, and he, he made a good, good chunk of money, most money he's ever made, obviously. And uh, he said, man, I think I'm going to buy my first house. And haven't been down that road myself. I said, Hey, you know what? And I started turning him on. I just said, check out this podcast. You know, he had a, about an hour commute to work. I said, start listening to bigger pockets and some of these other um, resources. And I said, I, I think you'd be better served putting that money. And we st- and then we just, you know, at meals and stuff, we'd talk about real yeah. estate and the, the possibility of investing and how I told them, I said, Hey, if I, if I was in your shoes or I could go back when I was 19, 20 years old, starting this career, um, things would have been a lot different. I think, you know, for myself. Yeah. If we only knew what we know now, then yeah, it'll all be exactly right. Probably all we'll be on this call right now. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well guys, I, I appreciate your time today. Uh, I don't know. I appreciate your service that you're providing to your communities. I think it's awesome. Um, Mike, what you're doing with the blog, the investing fireman, you know, I will encourage every fireman out there to go out and subscribe to it. And I'll put a link on the, uh, when we, publish this wherever we're going to publish it. I think it's going to be on YouTube and the Facebook group. But uh, other than that, is there a, a better way for people to contact you if they got direct questions? Uh, the Like you said, the, the investing fireman, it's on Instagram, Facebook, or the website. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And feel free to shoot me a message. I'd be happy to chat. Okay. Ryan, what about you, bud? Follow Mike. If you, if you follow <laughs> fireman, follow Mike. I do. I have been. Um, if you, if you want to get a hold of me for some reason, just uh, it's at R Kenyon, K-I-N-Y-L-N on Instagram. It's the best way to hit me up. Slide into my DMs. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a, I forgot about that. You, uh, before this call, you, you, uh, or before we hit recorded, you said that you had started following Mike, yep. uh, a couple of months ago when he started posting that yep. blog. So that's awesome. That's, that's yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yep. So well, guys, it. thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And, uh, I will talk with both of you very soon. Thank cool. you. Thank you.